Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Cahan is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman. Our very special guest back here in the old caboose is Dave Ward, who does a very popular show, a um, music show, and he's got lots of lots of train songs on there, and so that's all relevant. But he also was telling us a lot about eastern Colorado, about um, all the fascinating history and, uh, oh, my goodness. And and that led us immediately into coal, and how can we use less of that coal? How can we, what what can we do? And uh, I, I was pointing out the ski train, which takes every morning a lot. Well, every morning in ski season, a lot of cars off I seventy, while uh, you know automobiles off I seventy, and probably buses off I seventy, and wondering if that might be a model. I don't know. Well, anyway, back to you, Dave. What? Um, how did you? And how did you get into this? Now, were you, as a kid, did you listen to train songs? I'm really not into train songs, Horace. <laughs> but <laughs> I have, uh, you know. I mean, I uh, I assumed we were going to be playing train songs on the show earlier, but uh, I went through my collection, and obviously. Um, you know, the more I look, the more I found, you know, that there's been many, many songs um, written concerning trains and traveling on trains and hoboing. And hoboing seems to be a really popular topic uh, in terms of trains. And uh, I was fortunate a few years ago to meet Roy Smith. Have you had him on your program? Roy Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, who built the homemade bicycles and all, yeah. No, 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 no. Roy Smith uh, was a black man who hoboed. And uh, he, he ended up in Salida somehow um, after he had been tied to the ceiling by some people at another place. And uh, 60 Minutes uh, actually covered his story. And uh, he used to come into my music store downtown and talk to me. He was a very basic man, but he hoboed for a long time. And uh, he brought me a cross that he made uh, and gave it to me as a gift. It was uh, 
you know, like a Christian cross made out of sticks. And then on those sticks were all these little things that he had found along the rails, glass and Legos, uh, bottle caps, and you name it. The whole thing was decorated completely. And uh, one day uh, I saw him downtown and he was in a store and I heard he was he was putting up a poster. And I said, wow, Roy, uh, you're really going to be famous. And he goes, I was already famous. Look here. And he was uh, interviewed by, uh, was her name Connie Chung? Connie Chang? Connie Chung, yeah. Yeah, Connie Chung on uh, 60 Minutes. And uh, he received a lot of money. Um, and he lived up Ute Trail somewhere. And a lot of people around our area took advantage of him and his money. And uh, he ended up moving away. And I don't know where he is now. I did see him on Facebook, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, a picture of him. But uh, he's an interesting guy. And uh, if you could ever round him up for an interview, that would be more than interesting in terms of hoboing. Yes. Well, we, we, now we know who we're talking to. And yes, I have talked to th- with him a little bit about this is a long time ago. When I was driving the Gilpin County bus, he used to get on that bus and um, ride up to uh, one of the gulches on the way to Idaho Springs. Mm. I forget which gulch it even was now, but uh, that's where he had a house. And that's where he got in this situation where he was being harassed by a neighbor named named Jack Baruby. And Jack Jack was finally charged with... um, I don't know, malicious mischief or something like that. And he was the guy who did beat up Roy Smith on a couple occasions and one where he tied him up. I don't know. I didn't hear the ceiling part, but he, you know, and I think that's true. And uh, he, he got, he got quite a a nice settlement finally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and of course Roy's a story man too, you know? And so the story was he was hung up by his ankles with wire from the ceiling joists in the basement. So anyway, he, he received some compensation he for did. that. But uh, being, uh, I think, the hobo mentality that he really is and the poor man that he uh, always uh, longed to be, got rid of all that money. <laughs> he, uh, he would walk in Dostalalia, a bar that wave. We're talking a long time ago. I would be in there after my bus driver day, and uh, which would be breakfast time. And uh, they had a great breakfast in Godostal Alley. Just, uh, just he would come in there, and and I don't know where he got the money, but he would say, "Anybody want breakfast? It's it's on me." And he would. Uh, this was probably I don't know ten in the morning or something. He he he'd buy breakfast for people. He, no, no, he was yes. that, Interesting individual. Hobos, they are an interesting bunch. Uh, I had an uncle who was from time to time a hobo. The family mythology was that when when things got to him a little bit, um, in, in what today we would what call a, the depressive state or a period of depression or, I don't know, instead of going to mental health workers, why um, he just hit the rail for the summer or or a season or you know and when he'd come back he'd be pretty pretty okay and uh, then he'd settle back down and help out his wife and 
try to bring in some money. And I wonder if, if most of the hobos weren't really that way. I, they always said they were alcoholics. I don't know. I'm not so sure he was really. What, what's, what, what would be your impression there? It takes money to be an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. And that would yeah. be my impression. He never had money, but he, uh, I, you know, I don't know much about his past or anything like that. I mean, he showed up in Salida. A lot of us got to know him a little bit, um, but he definitely, you know, he was a grown man. He was, you know, probably 60 or so then. And so he'd obviously had a, a life as a, an impoverished black man in America, and uh, that couldn't have been easy. <clears throat> no, it, was, it would not have been easy. And uh, I always felt the guy who harassed him all this time, who was his <clears throat> neighbor up there, Russell Gulch. That's the Gulch. See, oh, I should remember. Uh, you know, welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to Gilpin County Transit, <laughs> Central City Blackhawk, Russell Gulch, Lump Gulch, <laughs> Idaho Gulch, and Idaho Springs. That's fifteen cents. Anyway, uh, I wow. should remember that by heart since I did it a lot. But uh, but yeah, he got off in Russell Gulch, and his neighbor was this guy Jack Baruby, who was found guilty of some sort of harassment and stuff. But apparently, it didn't. I don't know. I don't think he even did jail time. Might have, but it was he uh, pl pled out on it on the thing, and uh, but he was a racist and. Uh, Wished that uh, I don't know what what he was trying to do. I I I think the people who think that way, I, they don't think they're just reacting. Yeah, I think well, I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't even attempt <laughs> to guess. You know what what people think that are that way, but uh, it behooves all of us to protect each other. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, and. Uh, but a generous guy. What a generous guy. I mean. Oh, yeah, to a fault. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Yes, yeah. to a fault. Anyway, I still have his little cross. And uh, it's up at our cabin in Taylor Park, out by my quartz garden. And uh, I'll never forget him. Yeah, nor will I. And even though I had only the most casual relationships to him. And, of course, uh, nor will the county commissioners up there. I was a county commissioner up there for about eight years. And let me tell you, he made an impression. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't go into all of it, but just to say yeah. that, that uh, the county ended up paying a uh, civil rights discrimination lawsuit that he brought against the county. And I think rightly so, and won and got some money for that. He yeah. might have done that before he moved here, come to think of it. You know the couple uh, that lives in Salida, and I'm very sorry, I cannot remember their name at the moment, but uh, he writes books about hobos. If Wayne met, Iverson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you had him on as a guest? Yes. A long time ago. We, yeah. we should do it again. That was yeah. years ago we had him on the show. Yeah. Well, that's probably when I could share some of my hobo music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so what, what's our subject now? Where are we? Uh, where are we? Oh, we were talking <laughs> about talking about how how did we get hooked on trains, and I, I got hooked on trains just on the on the Great Western Railroad, which almost literally ran through our backyard when I lived in Chicago, and um, 
uh, just watching that train. And there was a special, well, not a special, just a, a commuter train, really, a Great Western commuter. And it stopped every night at a certain time. And um, that was, we called that the Tuka Tuka because it was an RDC card, uh, card carrying. Uh, they'd stick the card in there, you know. Uh, what did they call it in those days? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But that's uh, that's when I went to sleep. Everybody, uh, everybody, I believe, I think I probably believed this till I was about 10 years old, that everybody in the western side of Chicago all went to sleep when the Tukatuka came. Hey, uh, I recently checked out a book uh, at the library, special order to James Lee Burke book. And he's one of my favorite authors. The first page of the book, if I may read it, it's not very long. Uh, sure. It's all about, all about our subject. Are you ready for this, Rick? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Are you still awake over there? <laughs> okay. Many years ago, knocking around the American West was quite a gig. Think of running alongside a boxcar, your heart bursting in your chest, slinging your duffel and your guitar inside and jumping in after them. And then two hours later, descending the Great Divide, your head dizzy from the thin air, grizzly bears loping alongside the grain cars. The side door Pullman didn't cost a cent. And what a show it was, an orange move of moon above a Kansas wheat field, the iridescent spray of wheel lines, the roar of a stream at the bottom of a canyon, the squeak of an irrigation valve at sunset, the cold smell of water seeping through a walnut orchard at evening tide. Colorado had strange laws back then. Hitchhiking or hopping a freight would cost you six months, six months in the can or on the hard road. The consequence was that bums and migrants riding a hotshot into Denver would get into the state but not out. So Larimer Street was overflowing with panhandlers and derelicts pissing and sleeping in alleyways and under the bridges on the plat. In the spring of 62, I swung off a flat wheeler at the Denver city limits and slept two nights in the Sally, then took a Greyhound bus down to Trinidad and hired on with a big dairy and produce farm that provided cabins and community showers and a dining hall for the workers. That's wow. What a writer. <laughs> what is the title? That's James Lee Burke. Yeah, James Lee Burke. Yeah, I'll show you. There he is, James <laughs> Lee Burke. <laughs> yeah, anyway, he's he's uh, said some stuff about Colorado that yeah, he's a little out of his territory. But um uh, like he took his girlfriend in from Trinidad over to the uh, Gunnison River <laughs> day to go fishing. And I'm thinking Gunnison River isn't anywhere near Trinidad, but whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> really but I thought that was a great description of somebody trying to ride the rails. That really is. Wow. What fun. Well, well, hobos. We were never nasty to hobos, by the way. Uh, we a lot of times we knew the hobos were were riding in the engines. We called them the units. 
they'd be riding in the last unit. And we never did anything about them. Nor, in my experience on the New York Central, which, of course, that was the Chicago Yards, and no, nobody went down to the Chicago Yards unless you worked there, you know. And uh, my experience is they kind of had their own little world. You know, they had little huts down there. They had, uh, well, I don't know what, what all they had. I mean, I well, didn't go in, but. Probably the classic yeah. fire in the trash barrel outside to keep warm. Yes, yep, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's an interesting aspect, I think, of railroads. You don't, you know, you don't have hitchhikers and automobiles and such, but you don't have the kind of tradition that you can actually jump on somewhere anymore. <laughs> so I find that quite fascinating. Now, as a kid, what what trains did you see a lot of as a kid? On well, the main yeah, line the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe is what ran through my town area. And uh, Rick is that rails. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, so my dad was a soil conservationist, and the soil conservation office was right next to the railroad tracks in Los Animas. And Los Animas, like so many small towns, had these beautiful depot buildings when people would go in. And, uh, you know, some of those have been saved, and some of them have been converted to restaurants and that kind of thing. But uh, the interesting thing was at the time, the telephone system was such that you would pick up the receiver and the operator would say, number, please. Mm-hmm. And you and my number at home uh, was 111. And the railroad number was 11. <laughs> oh. Consequently, people would call our home uh, by accident trying to get railroad information. So I would just give out some information, you know, like I knew what I was talking about. Who knows what happened to me after that. But, uh, um, you know, it was a very basic operation. You were going to use the train, you went into the depot and there's a clerk behind the glass at a counter and you bought your ticket or you paid for your freight or whatever you did then. Um, but those old buildings are classic, and uh, you, you see so many of them, La Hunter, Los Animas, Rocky Ford, all along there. Um, and I don't know the origin of those, uh, but um, as a kid, the train would come through town quite fast. And uh, one of the things it did was uh, pick up mail sack. And uh, there was an old man downtown named Mr. Bailey. He drove a Model A Ford that was pretty much wired together with uh, bailing wire and uh, his job was to take the mail sack out and hang it on the hook and the train would come through and grab that sack and as you told me the other day uh, then another sack was put up for the train going the opposite direction and so he did that also and uh, on occasion those set, those uh, bags uh, wouldn't catch by the train they'd just get knocked flying and so people's mail was just scattered up and down the railroad tracks and uh i don't know you know how that was ever reconciled but uh i thought that was interesting um my son reminded me this morning that when we lived out east of los animas we also lived by the tracks very close and there was a little trestle right out uh south of our house and so he would go under there and sit under that little trestle when the train went over the top of it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that's got, And got my daughters to do that, too. And, and 
like the scared the death out of him, you know, with this, yeah. I mean, you're into this wooden trestle. It's about 10 feet long <laughs> and a, and a full on train running right over the top of it, you know? So that was pretty exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I, I lived in San Francisco after I got out of college and I left my job with Shell Oil Company and, uh, came back to my hometown of Los Animas on a train that originated in, in Sacramento. And when it got to Los Animas, I said, I, this is where I'm going. And they just stopped the train and let me oh. off. <laughs> That's wonderful. That is wonderful. So, yeah. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. But, you know, all in all, we didn't have much experience with trains other than smashing pennies and watching them go by. And, oh, we also had the cantaloupe and watermelon sheds because, you know, Rocky Ford is uh, world famous for cantaloupe and, and uh, watermelon. And a lot of the dry land farmers around our area raised those crops. And uh, they had warehouses there along the railroad when the train, the freight trains would stop and pick up that produce and take it off to where it was going. Uh, I remember that as well. You know, basically it was a given if you're going through Los Animas and you get to the tracks, if the uh, crossbars are down, you wait till the train goes through. And uh, when they came back up, you kept going. But it was a common occurrence. It wasn't like something unusual. We can almost taste those cantaloupe, though. They have a unique flavor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they were wanted all over the country. So obviously, the trains made that possible. Getting those Are they as good as they used to be? Or is it just a... <laughs> oh, well, as I said earlier, you know, I mean, we've, my wife and I spent a lot of time studying local agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, obviously, you know, the, the same industry that provides this gasoline and oil and all that produces the insecticides and pesticides that are created and sprayed all over our fields to make monocropping a good way to farm and has ruined the land and uh, the food in a lot of ways and caused us a lot of health problems as well. So, however, most of those old farmers didn't have access to that kind of stuff that cost money a lot of money and so they would just get what water they could and water those cantaloupes and watermelons and then we had uh watermelon days every year in rocky ford and uh oh it was a big deal it was a big deal and the oh. trains played an integral part getting those from our little part of southeastern colorado to the rest of the country sounds like a, a well, now we do have some some organic growers. Of what uh, are they pretty organic, or what do well, you they think? They would have been organic, uh, not by knowledge. Uh, well, just not you know the knowledge that that's how they always grew. They didn't have such things as pesticides or insecticides to spray on. So you just you dealt with the problems of agriculture as they came along. Mm. If you had no water, you didn't water. If you had bugs, they ate the crop. Yeah. Um, if you were lucky and you had water and no bugs, then you got a crop. So I was on the school board in Los Animas with a man named Max Smith, and he was a dry land farmer out south of Los Animas. And one of the, I don't know, most awesome people I think I've ever met. He was just the common man. And uh, uh you know, here's a man who could live with that kind of lifestyle because he never had anything. But uh, he was the nicest person and 
just a gentleman to everybody. And he was on the school board with me. <laughs> I can remember his wife was quite another kind of character. However, she, <laughs> she was quite outspoken in the community. And uh, how, would, how would they deal with today's um, groups that are, you know, harassing these school boards about what books they have in the library, about any mention of gayness or things like this? What, what, Oh, well, I don't know about those particular issues, but when I was on the school board, we had a challenged book, as they call it. That's when somebody in the public came in and said, this book can no longer be made available to our students and uh, in our school libraries and that sort of thing. So we established a challenged book committee to ah. study the issue and to give them an answer. And... Uh, the book I remember being challenged was Johnny Got His Gun. I don't know if you've ever read that or not, but it's about a paraplegic man who is put that way because of war and guns. And, and the book was written from his point of view. And uh, quite, oh, one of the most fascinating books I've ever read on anti-war. And that was the challenged book. And so me being on the committee came back and said that our committee definitely found this this book is going to be required reading in our school district ah, not bad that's, sorry that's fun <laughs> okay that's fun that's right in los animus i wonder what los animus is like today i mean do you think that do they vote for bovert did they have they moved into that sort of right wing Camp, do you think? Yeah, I think the entirety of rural Colorado has gone that direction for some odd reason. Odd reason. I don't know why. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they, maybe because they partly because they feel left out. They That's feel a, like like modern technological society has sort of left them behind. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, very much a big part of it for us. Fascinating. I tell you one thing, you know how Salida is booming and Poncha Springs is booming and Buena Vista is booming. Los Animas, La Hunter, Lamar, Wiley, Eads, McClave, all those towns out there are dying on the vine. Really? Oh, absolutely. I, I would have thought that some of that growth would sort of slide up. I know it's, it's certainly uh, moving east. <laughs> Maybe they just have to wait. Yeah, well, there, there's more houses selling in Los Angeles now than ever have been. So obviously some people are picking up on it. I don't know how much of that is related to the general movement around or the legalization of marijuana or something. I don't know. But it's definitely uh, they're dying on the vine out there. So that they might come back. I mean, um, our daughter lives in Canyon City and she says that Canyon City is definitely feeling the same push that Salida is feeling for um, second homes, for uh, rental homes, uh, all that sort of thing. Yep. So. Yeah, and check around town. You'll find a lot of people that are buying homes in Canyon City for that reason. Yeah, that is interesting, whether they plan to, plan to move there or not. Probably not. Yeah, maybe not. It used to be the but, most lovely little town with orchards all over the place and little farms and all that. But now there's 14 prisons. 14, I know. <laughs> that's so crazy because, well, the whole prison industry is crazy. That's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But, well, you may not have wanted what you got on this show uh, because probably... No, our, no, no, no. 
this is probably this is at why heart I'm really a radical and I have very strong feelings about some of these things, which I'm sure you've noticed by now. We we've noticed that. We noticed that on your show, <laughs> even, which is which is really the case. And and uh, no, that's that's why we do these shows. Big regular radio, they're not gonna do any of these interesting people. They're not gonna have Wayne Iverson talk about life as a hobo. And uh, just the thought of getting a uh, Roy Smith. I, somebody said he lives in Sawatch now. I, he must be my age. He's God. He's got to be. He's got to be eighty, don't you think? Yeah. But anyway, if you ever get a hold of him and he needs a ride, I'll go get him. Well, here we are sitting in the caboose, spinning all these yarns on uh, on the rails, and uh, yet every every train you've ever been on. Sooner or later, it comes to the terminus. We leave the terminal and we go to the terminus. And just sitting here talking with Dave Ward on this trip has been a real joy. And I'm going to figure out a way to get him back sometime. But so in the meantime, we've got to write up the write up the car report here. Stick it up in the up in the little slot next to the cupola. Look out here again at beautiful, fascinating. Eastern Colorado, part of Colorado, that if we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot more about. And uh, so, do we have any final words from the guests? Uh, no, but thank you so much, uh, Rick and Forrest, for inviting me on the show. It's um, I don't really get much opportunity to be asked my opinion about things, and uh, I know that it's a touchy subject on Cahen at times to be too political and so i try not to do that yeah but we but we, well anyway <laughs> and and okay one of these days we're gonna have to sit sit in one of these coffee houses and and really get down to business yes yes yeah, yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay hey it's time anyway to thank this. you guys so much well uh, it's time to tie this up that was my favorite you know we used to talk to each other on the railroad with hand signals and you know one for, for Track one, blah, 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 blah. My favorite was always go to lunch, which I'm going to do, but you won't be able to see it. See how your hands go like this? What what you're doing? You're tying it up. It's oh. called tie it up. That's tie it. it up. Yeah, raise your hands up so a little we're gonna, Let me see. Yep, yep, yep. We're going to tie it up. 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 And how we do that, of course, is we, okay, let's let's do a high ball to our, to our front end staff. So at the count of three, we'll do a high ball. We'll be out of here. And one, two, three. High ball! High ball! Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.